0: What's going on guys welcome back welcome to the show it is our very last episode in november of action movie anatomy here on the popcorn talk network today we're talking about one of the most classic films ever made it's good fellas get hyped i'm hyped see you guys in a second welcome to popcorn talk featuring movie discussion news and interviews popcorn talk we talk movies and now here's popcorn talks action movie anatomy Ooh! back um, <laughs> on audio i am sorry for that <laughs> people walking by the studio right now are not please oh my goodness we're back man We're back in the booth we're back sitting here it's uh november's almost over 95 plus four pennies yeah right add, yeah add that shit up dre <laughs> i'm white um, you are. You are. Uh, check out this sweet new logo we got. Look at this. Yeah, Look at these. These are amazing. It was covered by a beard for a long time. We, shaved, was. The beard we shaved the beard and off now and now it's, just, it's shown up. We have this incredible logo. <laughs> Big shout out to Stephen Lemieux for doing that one for us. Clap there. Uh, thank pop, you Stephen. Pop. Today on Action Movie Anatomy where we cover action movies on the show we're going to be talking about Goodfills. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies ever made. I'm very excited to talk about it. The Irishman hits theaters uh it'll be on netflix actually here in the next week i think <laughs> it's netflix hard hits netflix so hard <laughs> it drops that's what the kids say and uh yeah so that's what we're that's what we're talking about today um my name is ben bateman this is action movie enemy that's andrew guy you guys want to follow along with all the cool stuff we're doing you can follow us on twitter at team action show you can follow me at ben bateman media you guys can find me at andrew guy you can find the show at team action show and you know this really isn't an action movie per se but it kind of is i mean like there's a decent amount of action going on it's exciting yeah Uh, yeah i mean i think it's um, intense the rules we generally follow on this show tend to be uh rule number one the hero always plays by their own rules i mean they all kind of play by their own rules in a sense that like they aren't the establishment yeah Yeah. so kind of the hero if the hero is henry hill it feels like he, I mean, he definitely does play by his own rules, I guess, even up until the end, because once he gets caught, he still plays by his own rules and not the mob's rules and he rats everyone out. Yeah. A little rat. He's a rat. He's a rat. Rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs, what have you, in the room. Um, I'd be a rat. You'd be a rat? If I had to go to jail for the rest of my life, for 25 years, and or, I could go into or, witness protection. Or die. Or die. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd be a rat. I'd go into witness protection. You're going to die in prison. You will die in prison. You will get stabbed or shanked or whatever. So you'd rat me out? I'd rat you out. <laughs> Guys, I'm going to need to go to the bathroom really quickly. <laughs> right here in the seat. Uh, no, but uh, rule number two, the hero and the villain is the smartest people in the room, I think, is an interesting one because it's like with movies like this, like who like who are the smartest people in the room? I, I, the mob, they're smart because they like know how things work. It's like this over... It's this all-encompassing mob, mm. like the mob, you know what I mean? Because right. it's like no matter what you do, at the end of the day, you can't beat out the mob, no matter even Pesci, you know, they they break the rules. You have to play by the rules. Dong Johnsons, a name, uh, it's a good name, says uh, there are no heroes in Goodfellas. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. That's a point. fair. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit what the ending of the movie is supposed to be about. The rule number three, the movie is driven by police, military, political, mercenary figure. It doesn't follow that at all. And then rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Uh, yeah, there's, like, a fire stuff burns up. Yeah, right? Don't they blow up a building when he... Yeah, he blows up the cars when he's young. Yeah, he blows yeah. up the cars. That happens, so... Yeah, those are the rules that we usually follow on the show. Today, we are going to give a quick shout-out to new patrons of Sally Mercedes and Zachary Schatz. Uh, thank you so much. We salute you. That's patreon.com. Slash team action. Did you there's- just punch our patrons? Ryan? Nelson? I might have. I In might have. Sorry about that. Yeah. Sound effect punch? <laughs> were you just seeing if we were paying attention or... And, I uh, might have been seeing if you were paying attention. It's <laughs> Zach, Zach. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I really apologize. Uh, but yeah, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash teamaction. There's lots of cool stuff we do there. We uh, do exclusive content and streams, and, and we have this cool show we're doing called The Action Face-Off. I'll talk to you guys about it a little bit later in the show. Yeah, we put up a, uh, a reaction last night of your, your latest Shmodown match that dropped yeah. yesterday. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, uh, the Crimson Fury match. So that's, <clears throat> a, that's that's living exclusively for patrons right now. So if you're Shmodown fans and you want to hear what we have to say behind the scenes uh, about the matches and what really happened, then go check check that out check it out um so yeah coming up today on the show we're gonna be talking about all the fun games we're used to fist pump moment thesis statement favorite line all those things we also have kind of a fun a fun impression game so yeah. to speak we're gonna we're gonna play a little later probably in lieu of cruise versus cage then again we me just it may be involved maybe um, just yeah just, just playing <laughs> cruise versus cage <laughs> uh so yeah i think we'll, we'll get to the first part of the show here and that is going to be uh your thesis statements your biggest boldest thought about the film this is the thing that when you talk about this movie to someone you say you know here's the thing about Goodfellas, you say it, and you're like, I have no better, bigger, or, you know, more hyperbolic point to make. The greatest, the first, the only, the, mm-hmm. the, the last. Um, and I'll jump in first with mine, because I thought about it on the way here, and I feel pretty confident in saying Goodfellas is the best movie of the 1990s. Goodfellas is actually the best movie of that decade. And we're talking a lot about the best movie of this decade right now, and I think it's harder to do when the decade is still happening. Yeah. but uh, and, and Goodfellas has become almost... Uh, It's almost like a parody of itself at this point because people talk about it as this, like... People talk about it as this, like, iconic classic great so often. So a lot of the things have been spoofed, right? Like Funny funny How, Funny Mm -hmm. Clown, all that stuff. But the truth of the matter is, uh, if you look up any list of the top movies of the 90s, you're going to see Goodfellas pretty high up on that list. And when I compare it to the other movies that are in contention, you're, you're talking about, like... Silence of the Lambs and Schindler's List, and you're talking about <clears throat> Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump and Saving Private Ryan. Those are, these are some of the movies that come up on people's lists. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm actually kind of surprised at your uh, at your thesis. I mean, you just you just listed a couple movies that I actually enjoy more in Pulp Fiction and in Saving Private Ryan. I think I think they're better movies all around. I I think for me, Goodfellas the reason I say that it's the best movie of the '90s is not only do I think Goodfellas is a remarkable piece of filmmaking. I mean, it feels extremely compelling very well acted i love the writing it's got humor it's exciting it really hooks you in the first 20 minutes of the movie like it's the the and there's a lot about it you know that's iconic as we mentioned it's so I- funny you say that because we're gonna get into it a little bit in the production v- development but in the first 15 minutes i felt the same way yeah it's just like the departed i think that scorsese has a really really great knack for just like getting you in on his in his world and on his yeah. story instantly because like in the beginning of departed since it's, it's more hits home for me I remember just like, it feels like you're getting on, it's like the ticking on a roller coaster ride. Yeah, It's yeah. the same thing in Goodfellas, except right. for you can already see the double loop. Yeah. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. I mean, and there's, there's great <clears> things. <throat> there's great things about this movie that I think, uh, why, why it speaks to people because they, they start with Henry Hill's point of view and you're him as a kid and you're yeah. experiencing with the, all the, and, and it's, it's romantic and cool and sexy in a way that Wolf of Wall Street, while it's similarly compelling, it's also similar, some of their, their pieces of shit. Yeah. All of them. Pretty much the whole entire... All of them. And, and even though these guys are criminals and you don't exactly agree with them, there is this, like, sense of community and family that I think draws you in at the beginning of the movie when he's a kid. Mm-hmm. You want to be friends with Paul. You want all these guys. Yeah. And so... And then when it changes perspectives to Karen later in the movie, and she's so good, you get to experience this world through her eyes, the tracking shot, things like that. I just think this movie is... So rewatchable, it's so memorable, it's done so well it, it does so many of the things the genre wants and I, I think it's a really rewatchable genre. She maybe is just the best actor in this whole movie, yeah, honestly yeah, she, her like performance i, I think uh, I mean Pesci's amazing, but he's also given so much fun to work with, yeah,' whereas right. like Bosco's given so much real to work with, yeah, she does such a good job um i I like your thesis i don't I don't agree with it, but but I do like it um <clears throat> for me. I think I just have to say, and you, and you mentioned it, I think it's the greatest single take in film history because of the amount of work that they do, the the story that they tell throughout, the the kind of fun, falling in love feeling you get between the two of them. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're like, D- I'd go home with him. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, after you walk to the club, you're like, that guy. You just gave everyone 20s he's like yeah that's not a big deal Yeah, that's all right i I love i love in that take and we're going to talk a little more about that take how 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 much they make it about you're experiencing what she's experiencing yes and i think that that's the most fun part about that take is from the second they get out of the car the music is perfect Mm -hmm. um and, and music's like, perfect throughout the movie. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, and it's very famous for that. It's like people, mm-hmm. people remember a lot of these songs for these scenes. But like, she, you know, you're just going to leave your car here. And he's like, yeah. it's, it's easier than parking it in a garage. You know, the way he says all <laughs> yeah, the things every, to her. It's all so just like matter of fact. Yeah, we got yeah. it here on the screen, which is it's amazing. And the, the choreography that goes behind it. And it's fun. It's busy. You're in the back. Like, how the hell do you even know where you're going? You know, there's so many doors and walkways. And it's like, it's just perfect and he and he's so good in this scene and then yeah you know the other line he says he's like yeah i, I like to go in this way it's, it's yeah. better than waiting in, line. in line and then he kind of laughs and i love too like you know they're walking through here in the scene and there, you see all these all these guys are making food. They're 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 cooking, and it's like all these guys. You wonder like how many times have they seen Henry Hill or some other wise guy walk through oh, here? Oh yeah, and and they they know not to even acknowledge them. How, who who there knows to never ask a question? Who is this yeah? Don't guy? say don't say anything. If anything, you are just smiling. I love I love the table. I love the table. They carry, they a, carry table a table over to the best spot through a nice club to the very very best spot. They put the they put the light, light on. Up, they yeah. turn the light on. It's. <clears throat> It's like when you see the scene, you're like, how would you not just be like, and and the best part about this is that this is coming off of the first date they go on. Where he's just where such he's a dick. Cell phones don't even exist yet, but he's basically on his phone he's, the yeah, whole time. Exactly, exactly. And uh <laughs> and I love she goes, she goes and finds him and she gets in his face, and like and even like she's so mad, but within two minutes they're flirting already. They're flirting, yeah, and she's like, ah, Henry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna <laughs> have to make it up to me. <laughs> it's so good. It's trouble. It's like it's it's exactly when you when you hear like uh like an older person talk about young love and like that's trouble. It's like you watch that scene, and you're like, She's in trouble. Yeah, one thing about this movie that I actually... this, and, and we can talk about this a little bit more in a second. But I do think... I, I thought about it more with the Irishman and the de-aging. I think that the actors cast in this movie and the age they are directly referenced to be at certain points of the movie mm-hmm. feels... Totally unbelievable. Like, they, oh yeah, I mean the fact that like De Niro is as old as, as he is when Henry first meets him. Yeah, and then like they're the same. They feel like the same, same age later age. in the movie. Yeah, like De Niro is <clears> supposed <throat> to be in his late twenties. He couldn't have been older than his late twenties when he shows up. You're like, yeah maybe you look forty, but like you yeah. could kind of get away with it. And then Henry's supposed to be like twenty-one, 21 when he meets. He's Karen. like thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, both of those, but uh, you know, wh- whatever. That's that's. Uh, so really quickly, I got to I got to give a shout in the chat here. We got we got a VIP in the chat. Okay, it's a Miss Steph Sabra. Steph Sabra hanging out. She's What's talking Steph? about how much she loves this scene. I, I wish we would, I wish we'd have brought you on the show, Steph. Yeah, that would have been perfect. Have you seen Dives Out yet? I'm pretty sure she has. We could bring her on for that. Yeah, yeah. But we're glad you're here, Steph. Hanging out. Steph is the greatest. Guys, go and follow her on Twitter. Go follow her on Instagram. She's just cool. She's just a cool cool. She was on here uh, with me on Deadpool. It was yeah, a, it was a great show. So. Back to Goodfellas. Uh, those are our thesis statements. Let us know if you guys have any other great thesis statements in the chat. Um, yeah, I just think it's the greatest, man. It's just it's the best single take. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're discussing and I think seriously leaning into doing a tracking shot inspired episode on the Action Guys this yeah. week, and uh, that's kind of inspired <clears throat> by this. I mean, I found I found when I watched the scene last night, and again, I've seen this movie probably. I don't know, this is probably the 12th or 13th time I've watched this movie. I've seen this mm-hmm. movie as many times as I've seen most of my favorite movies. And it's in my top 10 favorite films ever. My third time. But watching the track and shot again last night, I honestly was like, my jaw was dropped. I was enjoying it so much, almost like in a way I never had before. Yeah. Maybe just like the last couple years of my life, I've watched so many more movies than I ever have before. It's, I appreciate the great ones. I also think there's something to be said now at this point in our life. We've done this show for so many years. We've We've been critics and on these shows, like... When you watch a movie that you believed was one of the best movies ever made when you were younger, and you watch it now, and it still feels that way, that's, like, such a wonderful feeling. It's not a feeling that I get that often, because I've had a lot of movies that I really really remember thinking were fucking amazing. And I watch them now, and it's like, I still like them, but I don't Mm. find myself as compelled to watch them. I think I found that when we watched Children of Men on this show. I still thought it was great. I loved it. It just wasn't as enchanting as it once was. Like, it didn't inspire me to want to talk about it or watch it again and that does happen and like this movie for me is exactly what i wanted it to be i was so in love with watching it again i every part of it i mean it just it just sucks you in i mean it's one of the beautiful things about scorsese when he's when he is firing at his highest level you're just you don't want it to end this movie's long but it's great it it, and i guess people talk about the third act falling apart not falling apart but getting a little boring but that's you have to have that in the movie it's a bummer yeah john roca says it. he's just like i hate the (laughs) end you can't just have them having a great time killing people and getting away with it and just cheating on their like you can't just do that for two and a half hours and then end the movie and they're still on top yeah it feels it feels wrong right totally so uh so those are gonna be our thesis <clears throat> statements guys sound off in the chat here if you have any you want to share as well we're going to keep moving through the show here today the next thing we do on the show is called fist pump moment Now, this is the moment where something happens in a movie and you just kind of like look around and you're like are you seeing this right now yeah. this is the coolest thing i've ever seen this is so good uh and fist, pump, it can be anything i mean it can be a touching look between father and son the, the title music on a movie a, a great kill a wonderful fight it can it can be the end credit song in a movie. The moment when you realize that the air conditioning is clearly not on in the studio. Ryan Nilsson up in the booth. Yes, call me out. <laughs> he will never turn it. On. I actually every day when when I get here, I tell him to turn the heater on until the show starts and then turn off the AC. It's yeah. a running bit we have. It's great. It's years, really funny. Years ago when Drew was in perpetual moon face mode of his life, <laughs> uh, he would sweat often and then he but he was like a, like a like a boxer losing weight for every fight. He just kept <laughs> Now he doesn't sweat anymore. I don't. He also wears short sleeves more often. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's whose smart. fault is that? It's fair point. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have adjusted to the climate. I had to. And I have uh, adjusted the temperature. Thank you. Well, so sure. it's funny because fist pump moment. I, you know, you called me right before I got to the tracking shot. Yeah. When I, when, you know, last night when I was watching the movie, and I watched it twice. It's like a three-minute tracking shot, and I watched yeah. it from beginning to end twice. It was so. Good, and I want to use it as my fist pump. we've already talked about it so much. I actually have another fist pump. Yeah, I, I really, I love it. It's when he gets pinched as a kid. Yeah, they're like ah, you popped yeah, they're, cheering. Cheer and they're all cheering for him. You're like, but he just got in. En- this is this is fucked up. Yeah, this is not how this is supposed yeah. to go. You know, like so you should good. be getting in trouble. Like you should be you know, reprimanded. But the feeling of that, and he's like, it's almost like you're kind of in kid yeah you're kind of in you did the right thing you didn't you didn't rat on anybody you took your time like a man and you're one of us now i love that moment i think for me the one that i'll go to and i and it's funny because i also kind of want to use the tracking shot but the one i'll go to and and this is again this speaks to just like my memory of this movie as a kid because i think this was the first crime movie like real crime movie i'd ever watched I couldn't have been older than six years old when I watched this movie. Maybe seven. Like, damn. My, my Yeah, I mean, I remember. I've i told this story before, but I I know my dad, brother, sister, and I were on a trip of some kind, like maybe a ski trip or something. We were staying somewhere. We had one night. We had to stay over somewhere, and it was in like a cabin we were renting or something. And that cabin had like a big cabinet that had like two or three hundred VHS tapes, mm-hmm. and they had a VCR and a TV. This was this was this was like nineteen ninety four five probably nineteen ninety four. Uh, and it was like, okay, so what, what are we going to watch? And I just remember it was Reservoir Dogs or Goodfellas because my family showed me fucked up crime movies when I was a little kid, <laughs> and my brother loved Tarantino, and so I, we chose Goodfellas. I didn't know <clears> the <throat> difference, but I just knew these were two movies that my dad and my brother who were the oldest people there. People would talked about. They said these were the movies we should choose, and we watched Goodfellas, and there's, I have a lot of memories from this movie as the, one of the first movies like this I ever watched, and there's, there's stuff, one of the scenes that I... I mean, there's so many, but one of the scenes that I always, always, always remember is when he gets the call from Karen that the dickhead from the country club Ugh. has thrown her out of the car. And you haven't really seen Henry do anything violent at this Nothing. point. He's been, and he just like gets up and like the guy is such a fuckhead. I know. He's and, like, what, you a fucking problem, man? Yeah. He's like, you want some of this? And or- he just, he just, and he's like, he's like pistol whips him like nine times. You're like, I feel like he cracked his skull. Oh, dude, that guy would be dead. Yeah. Like, that guy would be on the verge of death. And he puts a gun in his face, and he's like, if you touch her, and then he stands up, and he goes, like, don't shoot. Don't shoot, man. (laughs) Don't shoot. But it's just, it's like, it's such a violent scene, but, and I think it's one of the reasons that an Irishman, and, you know, you guys, if you haven't seen it yet, there's a lot of stuff you're going to watch in the Irishman that feels like throwback stuff. Mm -hmm. There's that scene, a similar scene, you know, where his daughter gets pushed or whatever. Yeah, yep. um, And I think in that scene, that's one of the reasons in our review I talked about it. It's like, I just felt like I had seen too much of that stuff before. I knew it was coming too often. And this was like the first time I had seen something like that. And it's... It's like sign of the times, but it also then the way she reacts to it right after. She's like, I knew I, most of my girlfriends would get out of there if their boyfriend gave her right. a gun. But I'll be honest, the it turned me on. They turned me on. And yeah, you like, the gun. she's crazy, man. I love Lorraine Brock. I know. And, uh, and that scene, yeah, I I, I love a lot of this I, scene. I mean, because... It's just one of those easy, like, set him up, knock him down scenes, right? You meet him early on. He's like, Who's that guy? Like, oh, he's a neighbor. I love when he meets him, too. He, like, barely looks at him. He shakes his hand without looking at him. Yeah. It's it's so good. Get out of here, man. I know what you are. And I just. It, it, it it's, it's again, it's like, I mean, I know this movie came out in 1990, and I'm sure it happened before, but it's why when movies do it so well, it feels like it's never happened. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's the first time a, a dick bag guy's done something in the right. movie, and then the lead character went and kicked his ass. You're like, no, it's probably happened a hundred times, yeah. but it's something about the way they And the fact that she's sleeping, yeah. I don't know why. It's like the fact that she's sleep because she's like, you know, she's dozed off by the time they get back to yeah. the house. There's something about her being asleep that scorsese is a director that's genius because she's gone from probably one of the most traumatizing moments she's ever been in yeah knowing that she's about to go to this confrontation but she's with henry now yeah she's asleep because she's comfortable she's safe she's guarded and it's something about that too it's so much that he does without actually ever saying it yeah and that's one of my favorite things about that scene specifically was her sleeping yeah it's yeah, so it's awesome. just it's just great. It's just it's just it's just truly great. Yeah. So, guys, <laughs> share your fist pump moments here in the chat. I want to know what you guys think. Let's see here. Denizio has uh, got the exact same one as you. Yeah, Kame Egan says my fist pump moment is when Pesci is supposed to be made but instead killed for being a ma- for killing a made man. Oh no, that's such a it's it. I feel so sad in that moment. But I at know. the same time, <clears throat> do you do you like Pesci? No, no, no. He's, and he's at that and, time. I don't think you're. Truthfully, I don't think you're really supposed to. I think you're supposed to know that's what happens to those guys yeah like if you've ever if you've ever known anyone if you've ever had a friend or a family member in your life uh, you know maybe a maybe one of your friends boyfriends or something or girlfriends who's kind of crazy always starts shit uh, yeah. walks around with a chip on their shoulders just kind of seemingly always getting into it with people you're like the reason that you don't want to hang around people like that is for exactly reasons like this movie which it's gonna is gonna happen something bad's gonna happen eventually and the stakes in this world are that you kill someone and then you get killed for it yep but like you know, it's just a, it's just a, an analogy for like regular non-violent life, where it's like, well, maybe you're hanging around with a person who you know always leaves early from work. Now you're going to get associated with that person. You know, it's like it, that's like why you do shit like that. It's mm-hmm. like that person you know uh, rubs off on you, that kind of thing. So I think when he dies, he it's sad because he's a because yeah. he, it's, it's after he kills the kid. That's mm-hmm. the biggest problem. It's Michael after, Prioli. Yeah, yeah. It's like why. Just because you're a psycho. You shoot him in the foot, so he says, fuck you, and you kill him? Yeah. Like, come on, man. Well, there's also... I think one of the other wonderful things about this movie is... There's so many guys that are in this world, this mafia world, that that uh, would show up later in other projects, like The Sopranos. Like half the cast, of this movie shows up in The Sopranos. Oh yeah, there's so there's so many people that are just like, oh, you're in mob movies. Yeah, Polly Walnuts shows up at the beginning of this movie for a second. He ends up as a that kid, Michael Imperioli. Like, that's Christopher. He's one of the main Sopranos. And, yeah, and, and, and also isn't uh, isn't the kid that Henry Hill's with at the end of the movie in the car? Is that the yeah, he's like he's like like i'm not a cop i'm your fucking cousin is that him oh interesting as, as a kid from the departed maybe i'm, I'm not pr- sure i'm pretty sure it is I, sure. I was looking at the scene at the end because at the very end of the movie when henry's yeah. losing his mind he picks up the kid for a little bit <clears throat> i'm like 99 sure it's him but I, I i could be wrong well yeah the last uh and then the last and most important <clears throat> character from this show that ends up in sopranos obviously is lorraine bracco she ends mm-hmm. up as the as Melfi, the one of the, probably the two main characters in the show um so Anyway, guys, we're gonna continue moving on through the show here. Mm. A little indigestion, apparently, going on. Um, we are gonna start mm-hmm. talking about star profiles, where these guys mm-hmm. were in their careers. So it, it's interesting. We list two two here. We usually go through two. Yeah, I'll probably pull Pesci's up as well. Yeah, and maybe Bracco too. Honestly. Okay, she gets the she gets an Oscar on for this one for supporting actress. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Leota, interestingly enough, really had been known the previous year for Field of Dreams in '89. That's that's like that's like the thing that he showed up in that most people remember him from because. He only has a couple credits. You know, Dominic and Eugene, 88, I don't know. Something Wild is the Jeff Daniels movie. Um, You know, so that's... And that's 86. So, like, really, it's it's Field of Dreams into this. He gets cast, I think, in Goodfellas because of Field of Dreams, where he plays Shoeless Joe Jackson. Um, It's an interesting... Yeah, segue jump, you know? know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have not seen Dominic and Eugene or Something Wild. Uh, I've seen Field of Dreams, obviously. Yep. He's, He's good in it. I, um... I'm not the biggest fan of Ray Liotta. Yeah, interesting. I, I really like him as Henry Hill. Uh, I think that he's he's the weakest actor in the movie. Hmm. Um, but there's just something about him where I feel like he's always he should have been a bad guy, then hmm. instead of a good guy. I don't I don't know why. It's well, yeah, I mean he d- he does end up playing a lot of bad guys yeah. over over the years. Uh, you know, in a lot of crime movies too. I mean, I, I can't remember the movie where he like drives someone out. He like drives someone like way far out like he's going to kill him cuz he's a crooked cop. I think it's the place beyond the pines. He drives Bradley Cooper way out somewhere and he's a kind of a corrupt cop. Okay. He's kind of a corrupt character in Copland. He's in that. Um, you know, Leota shows up in a lot of stuff. I'm pretty I mean, he's in Identity. Um, he had a pretty big career mostly based on this movie. Yeah. I mean, especially he basically has Field of Dreams and this and then from then on he's like real famous. He's like A-list famous at that point. Um, which makes sense i mean you talk about two of the biggest movies ever made yeah and he's and he's a big part of them uh pesci recently or he did uh barry's wedding or betsy's wedding in 1990 he also did the legendary life of ernest hemingway in 89 and lethal weapon 2 is leo obviously in leo gets. Uh, 1989 so <clears throat> it does feel like it's just because of i guess once upon a time in america plus I mean, he was in Raging Bull. He's just, he's just around. He's been working. He'd already been working for a cause, while. Because his breakout is Raging Bull, and that's eighty. And and he had to be. He was working at a nightclub apparently, famously. He didn't want to do it. Yeah, he had, he's been told. Uh, I've heard so many stories about people just like Joe Pesci. Just is like, nah, I don't want to do it. I don't wanna act right. Yeah. So like, and he gets kind of convinced to do it, and that kind of breaks his career wide open. And then you know, he has a career basically. Really, he has like a ten year run, like a big ten year run. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talked about the the whole Pesci thing. He 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 had a music career, and he released. Really yeah. He released an album shortly after he did Goodfellas. I love that when we mentioned this, we were talking to uh, John Roca and Mark Riley, and they were like, yeah. oh yeah. And then like, one of them listed the song name, and the other was like, yeah, I have that <laughs> on my phone or whatever. I'm a wise guy. <clears throat> he, he has a rap single called Wise Guy where he's rapping. It's I a, bet it's, it's a really real good. Ryan, if you want to. Yeah, Ryan's Oh, way oh ahead I've of heard me. this entire album. <laughs> I'm a wise You've heard guy. the whole album? I've heard the whole album. And there's a crazy one called 21 that. That's whole i love Just that you yikes. heard the whole thing. Yeah, Wise Guy is pretty classic. He like <laughs> he I mean he's full on rapping. He's going you know, he's going Shaq before Shaq did Shaq. I um, need it, I need this in my oh, life yeah. Okay, it's gonna it's gonna queue up. And then we'll talk a little bit about De Niro and Bracco's careers. It's a bitches that it'll getches. <laughs> yeah. It's a bitches that'll get you, right? Vincent LaGuardia Bambini is the name of his album. It's a bitches that you Wait till hey, you hear it. I'm a wise guy. Is that him? No, I uh, just stop That's definitely him. With a couple of guys. That's him. Oh wow. And I take your eyes. <laughs> he takes I'm her eyes. A I'm a wise guy. i But I think he start I think the verse he like properly raps, right? Right? I made man like my ass is back catch kill in Bermuda throwing them back there, right <laughs> 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 put the press on hold, on hold call I call him back the on back i drive by take your eyes freak your last <laughs> time i hit it because that it's amazing is appallingly yeah. good when I heard it a few weeks ago for the first time, I was like, "This feels like this is a joke. Yeah, like somebody is spoofing. It's like him. Andy Samberg dressed up. Yeah, as Joe, as Joe Pesci, Pesci right? But that's real. That's entirely real. Um, so yeah, that's that's. Uh, and he, I think he just released a new album. God, I think he just released a new album. What? Yeah, like now? Yeah. Yeah, he's got a Christmas song out, I think. Are you joking? And he curses me? and he calls Santa like a fat piece of shit in the first like minute, I think, or something like that. <laughs> we probably, like, I don't... think. It's called Pesci dot 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 still singing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's the name of the song? It's the name of the album. Oh, okay. I, okay, I, that makes a little bit more Amazing. sense. Well, because he had done an album long <laughs> ago, like before that one. The Vincent Laguardia Bambini. He had done an album like back in the seventies. Okay. He wanted it like music was like a thing he liked. So anyway, it's totally crazy. So let's talk De Niro because he's when you look at the 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 box cover for this movie, he's front and center. Yeah. And it's funny because it doesn't actually feel like he's the main character. He still feels like a supporting character in this movie. Yeah. He definitely he definitely feels like a supporting character to to Henry Hill, but it makes sense. It's De Niro in a Scorsese movie. Um, he did uh, Stanley and Iris in ninety. We're No Angels in eighty nine and Jackknife in eighty nine, which I actually don't know those movies. I mean, I know We're No Angels, but I've I've never. seen any of them yeah i've so i've seen <clears throat> i've seen jack and have, i've seen word no angels i've never seen stanley iris um he's he's like so much more famous than all Anyone the rest of the cast movie. at this point yeah because like by 1990 you know you would you would say it's like de niro and pacino came out around the same time they started like blowing up around the same time mm-hmm. but then pacino's 80s were bad like aside from scarface he like isn't really in very many movies his big comeback is kind of the 90s De Niro is not that at all. De Niro... Yeah. 80s are wonderful to him. 70s and 80s. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just he's just crushing it left and right. Like, this comes out in 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 90, but, like, he had won his Oscar in 80 for Raging Bull. He had won a supporting Oscar in 72 for... or in 74 for Godfather Part Two. And in the midst of all that, he follows this up with Cape Fear. He's got, like... I mean, if you look up his career in the 80s, it's crazy. There's a million movies. Like, and comedies just, in there. Yeah, 82. Mm-hmm. He's I think it's 82, but... Yeah, I was curious. I'm, I'm almost positive that he got an Oscar nom for this as well. And uh, and then you look over at Lorraine Bracco, and she did Sea of Love in 1989, but her scenes were all deleted. She did Up to Date in '89, The Dream Team in '89, and also Sing in '89. So she was in four movies that were released in '89. One of which she was deleted out of, edited out of. That's a Pacino movie, which I don't really know anything about. Mm. Um, and and again, I'll say it. I think, I truly do think she's she's the best. Her and Pesci are the best actors in this movie by a mile. You mean in terms of their performance in the movie? In the movie, yeah, yeah, in in the movie specifically, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say she's a better you know actor than De Niro. Than yeah, he, De Niro. He is. didn't get the tough. Oscar nom for this, uh, I think, because you know Pesci got it. They probably pushed for Pesci instead mm-hmm. of De Niro. Yeah, because he can't. I think they both would go supporting. Yeah, and Pesci wins it, which he should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's a career making performance <laughs> for Joe Pesci. It's the it's the most memorable thing he ever does. He has super memorable scenes, but yeah, I mean, De Niro. The other thing I noticed is. When De Niro shows up in this movie, I like so much how cool he feels. Like he when he first walks into that bar and he's like, Jimmy Conway, everybody knew him around town, you know, he he, he gave the doorman a hundred dollars just for opening the door. Just for opening the door and he yeah. gives him the money and he's like, Keep him coming and he's yeah. like, I want to meet you introduce you to Henry the Kid And you're like using the twenty. And you like look at De Niro and you're like, You're just the coolest. Like if I met you when I was Henry, I would think you were actually the coolest thing that had ever happened. And he does. And the way he says I would need to be that guy. And he says, he's like, you know, but the thing Jimmy liked most was stealing. He loves stealing just to steal. He's the he's the guy that rooted for bad guys. The yeah, I in the movies. wrote that down. He's the type of guy that roots for bad guys in the movies. Yeah, I what love a good line. that line. There's so many great lines in this movie. It's so memorable. It's funny because all the all the most iconic ones almost overshadow one. But you're just listening to the movie and just the little dialogue they have. You're like, that's a gem. Yeah, that's a beautiful line right there and I also think there's something about so we'll continue kind of going through the movie here a, a, a little bit but I think you talk about the different scenes in this movie and the things that have lived on for people it's it's lines it's scenes it's even just visuals I mean we talked mm-hmm. about the tracking shot you talk about cutting the garlic with the, the razor blade I know it's one of the it most memorable in scenes in the whole movie it's like why yeah what is it about that garlic he's like he had this amazing way of doing the of doing the you know where he, the garlic where he yeah. li- would liquefy in the pan yep, yep. liquefy in the pan you think about that he's like you know what Blah blah blah. You always have the greatest sauce. It's a little too oniony for yeah, my taste, but it's still it a good, really good sauce. They're yeah. always cooking. Yeah, it's 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 really really funny. It's um it just works so well. So let's talk a little production. Because again, it romanticizes all the worst things in life. Like right. you're a murdering, stealing cheating on your wife gangster who's probably going to die yeah. and then you're going to go to jail and you're like that all looks awesome yes, so <laughs> awesome uh, so Goodfellas is based on a New York crime reporting Nicholas Pileggi's book Wise Guy Martin Scorsese did not intend to make another mob film but he saw a review of Pileggi's book which he then read while working on the set of The Color of Money I forgot The Color of Money that's one of my favorites yeah um, he had always been fascinated by the mob lifestyle and was drawn to Bleggy's book because it was the most honest portrayal of gangsters he had ever read. After reading the book, the filmmaker knew what approach he wanted to take to begin Goodfellas like a gunshot and have it get faster from there, almost like a two and a half hour trailer. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. I think it's the only way you can really sense the exhilaration of the lifestyle to get a sense of why a lot of people are attracted to it. That's cool. Scorsese saw Goodfellas as the third film in an unplanned trilogy of films that examine the lives of Italian-Americans from slightly different angles. He's often described the film as a mob home movie that is about money because that's what they were really in the business for. That makes sense. Interesting, yeah. So, uh, you know, talking a little bit about Scorsese here and kind of uh, where he was in his career by 1990, you know... Uh, I don't I don't know how much more famous Scorsese got after this movie, if you think about it. Like do you feel like he's just he just was? By the time this comes out, he's been making movies for fifteen years prominently. Like over fifteen, but he's been Big time movies. Yeah, I mean I mean like Taxi Driver is is mid sixties and Raging Bull is eighty. And you have movies in there like King of Comedy, and you have movies in there like The Last Temptation of Christ and, and Color of Money. I mean, these are these are big time movies that are winning Oscars, that are being nominated for Oscars. Uh, so by 1990, when he makes this movie, there's a lot of fanfare and a lot of hype. But I was actually thinking about the movies that he makes in the 90s after this, and it's like, I mean, Cape Fear is pretty memorable. It's good. I like 91's Cape Fear, but it's definitely not as famous. Yeah, as Cape Fear. It's not bad. Yeah, um, <clears throat> De Niro's weird in it. Yeah, it's super weird uh casino is like the less is like the less unique version of I this i just don't remember it all but i know you watched it recently you said it's still really good it's fantastic mm-hmm. i mean bringing out the dead is really forgettable Kundun mm-hmm. is really forgettable like, yeah we have a, actually a really good question uh a question of the day about scorsese's yeah. career it feels like it's not until departed that he really makes another movie that's like oh yeah that you. level yeah you know and then his and then his last 10 years since departed he's gotten he's had a bunch he's of movies a few of them. that were that were super memorable again um But yeah, I mean, obviously, I I would argue there's a... I think there's a decent argument that he's the most consistent director ever. Like, his, the quality of what he's made out of his career, if I put, like, let's just say we were going to compare him to Spielberg. Like, yeah. Let's just say those are probably the two people that you put in the running for, like, number. I think like they both have a decent amount of misses later in their career as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, that some of that's a little subjective. I know there's some people that are huge Spielberg fans. I'm not the biggest fan, but if I think about the top ten movies, just to even have a top ten movies that chart where you're like, you've made ten great movies is something very few directors can say. I mean, Kubrick made 13 movies. Period. Yeah. You know, like, like when we did the Spielberg top, top 10 over on Collider, it was it was a very, very tough top 10 to get through. Yeah, because you have to be prolific. You have to make movies for a long time and you have to be successful enough both critically and financially with your career that studios will continue to let you make these movies. Even like somebody like a Coppola, like Coppola doesn't have as long of a run because he stopped making movies people gave a shit about in the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. I mean, Scorsese, literally is releasing the irishman right now to like massive massive fanfare his last few years have just been like stacked you know i mean it's like wolf, wolf. of wall street into hugo that gets like nine oscar nominations and you have silence in there with major actors and you've got like i forgot mean, about silence yeah i mean it's it's every movie he makes is a big deal so uh nicholas Pelegi is the guy who wrote the book non-fiction book called wise guy which this is loosely based off of um <clears throat> so the screenplay was bo- based on he co-wrote the script four goodfellas and uh according to play scorsese cold called him and said i've been waiting for this book my entire life and pluggy replied i've been waiting for this phone call my entire life which <laughs> i can only imagine what it would be like i mean it's like that thing in the movies it's just like uh, fighting with my family yeah it's like uh the this is calls. the rock it's like yeah bullshit yeah, and he right, just hangs right, right. up on him you're yeah. like I could you imagine if scorsese just called you one day there's a scene like that in the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it's very good. Where steel dragon calls him, and he's like, look, you're just messing with me. I get it. And then, anyway. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> according to Pesci, improvisation and ad-libbing came out of rehearsals where Scorsese let the actors do whatever they wanted, and then he would make transcripts of these sessions, and he'd take some of the lines the actor said that he really liked, and he'd, he'd end up putting those in the pr- principal ph- photography scripts that they'd actually shoot with. And uh, what's crazy about this is the scene where Tommy tells a story and Henry's responding and he starts laughing, you know, the funny how, do I amuse you yeah, scene? Right. That's all based off of something that actually happened to Pesci that he witnessed happen to someone else. Wow. And Leona did a really good job improvising that. I, I thought, you know, they said they did it in like four or five takes. He's uh, Yeah, he's great because he, he's like, you he's think scary. of He's a- scary. You're like, how would you react to this guy? Also, I mean, Leota's laugh is like, yeah, uh, it's, it's one what, of the most like legendary. Yeah, it's a legendary laugh. <laughs> but the way he's laughing and and, and Pesci, bing pow, like <laughs> he's the way he's telling his stories. It's just, it's fucking incredible. Yeah, it's so good. So and, and and I, you know, we were talking on the phone last night. I was like, how in the hell did Joe Pesci convince the world that he was intimidating? It's crazy, right? Because he's scary as hell. He's so scary. <laughs> he really, really is. <laughs> It's like five foot three. Uh, so uh, anyway, guys, we're going to continue moving through the show here, talking a little bit about critical and box office. Uh, yeah, actually, there's one more thing I wanted to say because it was you, you mentioned that at the top of the show. You said that uh, you know 15 minutes into the movie, you're hooked. Yeah. Uh, so during the test screenings for Goodfellas, uh, you know at the time this was the most money that Scorsese had ever gotten to make a movie. Um, Apparently, a lot of audience were, audiences were agitated with the way that the, it ended, and they thought that the the Henry Hill drug-addled like paranoia was like not authentic enough or yeah. didn't seem didn't seem earned. Um, so they ended up editing it so it was happening faster with more quick cuts to give you that drug-addled uh, point of view. But the other thing was that in the first test screening, there were forty walkouts. Huh. In the first ten minutes, that's so surprising. What? What is it? Because it's too violent. I don't know. In the first ten minutes, I mean, the first ten minutes of the movie, I feel like you're so enchanted. Like, it's... yeah, the only, I mean, all that happens is obviously the very beginning. So you get the stabbing and the shooting of a dude in the car that's been pig tied. That's a little gnarly, pretty violent. Yeah, but then it's just awesome. Yeah, it's like romance. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, for you know, as far back as I can remember, I've wanted to be a gangster. Yeah, how does that not intrigue you? Like, what happened? How did we get here? You know, I wanted to be a gangster. That whole... Stuff. Oh, that guy that plays Billy Bats, thats another—that's another Sopranos actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> fucking shine box. Yeah, oh yeah. when that scene That scene's intense. Yeah, keep him here. Keep him here. You're like, oh god, <laughs> You're like oh no. <laughs> I know. And then how? Like, when when they kill when they kill mori and they're at the table and he's like and he's like let's not do that he's like yeah no problem yeah no problem and he's like you know maury didn't even know he came how close he came to losing his life that night and then they kill him with the, the was it was like called a garrote is that the garrot? Yeah, yeah yeah a grot wire yeah, yeah. crazy he's just in the car man poor Mori, so savage although Mori was the guy in the movie where you're like how has that guy lived for this i long? know i know he's I such like a ballbuster. kill him the first time you met him yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh a few comments here in the chat. I would uh, I would like to read. Okay, we've got uh, Basis, Rockstar was great. Ninety six says, <laughs> stand up and shy Yeah, that's that's a that's a song from Rockstar. Uh, Rockstar <laughs> was great. Says Yakavetta. Steel Dragon is my favorite band. Says Danny at Oak Park. Rockstar is underrated. Says you Dennis really Greske. just wanted to stop the whole show to read yeah. all the. Rock- <laughs> <laughs> you love that movie. I'm a big fan. You really it? do. So now we can get it into critical and box office. Uh, Scorsese got $25 million from Warner Brothers Pictures. This movie was released in September of 1990, the 19th to be specific. It grossed $46 million domestic, an additional 43 foreign for a grand total of... Oh, no, 43,000 foreign, excuse me. So uh, not not really released overseas much for a grand total of $46.8 It opened at number one at 6.3. It's so funny when you look at numbers from from 20 years ago, or 30 years He's ago. Making a hell. movie for $25 million, it yeah. seems crazy. And... Uh, this movie's got an eight point seven on IMDb. It's the eighteenth movie of all time. Yeah. How do you feel about that? You uh, I mean, you okay it, with that? It's a little high, but <laughs> it, honestly, if you were to ask me to come up with eighteen movies that are better than this movie, mm-hmm. uh, I might not be able to. I don't know. I think yeah. this. I mean, I think like the crazy thing is, I remember watching Goodfellas for the first time as such a kid in like nineteen ninety five, and thinking about it in nineteen ninety five the way it was perceived. It was perceived like as a great movie. Like if we right. think about something that came out a few years ago in the last five years that we thought was like a masterpiece, like a genius piece of filmmaking. I don't know. Like, let's just say it's like 12 years a slave or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about what it would actually take for me to consider any movie in the last five years to be like an all time level movie. <clears throat> but then now I, I feel like people talk about Godfather, Godfather part two and Goodfellas are almost on the same level. I do, I do too. I feel like Honestly. they literally talk about them as, like, it's possible Goodfellas is as good as those movies. And if you were going to say that, Godfather is usually talked about by people as one of the three or four best movies ever made. Ever made. So I think 18 <clears throat> could be high. It also could be totally accurate. Do you still take Godfather over this? Uh, I do, and it's because I just think so much of the stuff that makes Goodfellas great comes because from of that. Godfather. Godfather 1 and 2? Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to not think of Godfather one and two as like just, just same. Yeah, uh, I mean they're different movies. I just if like Godfather is another one that on rewatch when you go back to watch that movie, that's even more astounding that a movie from 1972 could still be that yeah. beautiful. When you and go compelling. back and you watch Godfather the original, yeah, it's still perfect. It's incredible. I mean the performances, Brando's the writing, so Brando's good. so good, and, and, and young Pacino back mm-hmm. before his voice broke is yeah. <laughs> you know before he before he cracked the voice when box he talks like this. Yeah, it's amazing. So. Uh <clears throat> so favorite line. You have a favorite line? Um I mean we talked about a lot of the ones that come I know, to mind there's me. There's so many good ones. There, there's a lot of moments in this movie that uh like a lot of Karen's moments that are great. I love I love when she's I love when she's like she she wakes him up with the gun in his face. Oh god, this scene <laughs> and, she's, and she's like holding the gun and he's like Karen down and she's like do you love her do you love her <laughs> you're like, you're like, oh you're my like, god oh, she's shit. so crazy and then, and then he throws her off and he's like screaming at her he's like I don't gotta worry about getting whacked I gotta go home to this and she you punches the wall and he punches the wall and then he storms out and it's like silent for she's like I'm sorry <laughs> It's so good. You're like you're so fucking crazy. I love and she's and she plays crazy in this amazing way. Like I love when she throws his keys out the window. You're not going anywhere without your car. Yes. You're like that is the crazy wife that I need. That's the woman I need in my life to set me straight. Uh, There's a whore living in your building, Janice Rossi. There's a whore, Mr. Superintendent. There's a whore. (laughs) <laughs> Every, everything she does, it's just—it's just my favorite. Like, it, oh, and I love—I it, I love at the end too. Even when she's when she's freaking out, and she's like, "They would have found it." She, like, you know what she is amazing is that scene when she's cutting open the bag of cocaine. Talk about physical acting when you're not saying anything. Yeah, how effective that scene is. Mm-hmm. She looks so cracked out. She looks so crazy, and then she like puts the gun in her like loose panties. Yeah, like there's that scene always has been memorable to me. It's—I mean, she's. She, she's the only wife that could have, could, could have stuck it out with Henry Hill I mean honestly she's, she's such a badass so my I love that line yeah. <laughs> my favorite line I think I think it, it comes really early in the movie uh, I do there's actually a, two of them that come early it's it part of that, that first ten minutes where it says Paulie might move slow but that's because he didn't have to move for anybody there's something about that again, and he's just standing there, and they all stop fucking around. Because how unbelievable is Paul Sorvino before he ever says a word in this movie? So good. He's, just his look. He He's probably the best cast person in the movie because how effective he is as a character before he even speaks. Oh, and the look that he gives Henry in the courtroom when yeah. he asks him to identify him, and he's just like... I know too because I, because I, that's, you know, people talk about the ending in the last 20 minutes of this movie and how they don't like it. But I do think when Henry goes to see him and, and he gives him the $3,200 and he says, now I got to turn my back on you, yep. that's such a sad scene. And it's, again, it's just such a, it's, it is, it's done so well. It and his, it, his expressions, man, he, he really, he's like, that's it. It's all I was worth to him after all that, 3200 bucks Yeah. You know, uh, and then the other line that I love, he's like, two things I got to tell you. One, never ride on your friends. Yeah. Two, Always keep your mouth always shut. Always keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Conway, man. Jimmy Conway, bro yeah so those are my two favorite lines we got a great question here from our boy james spence which is also a great time to do our action industry shout out james spence is kind of the production coordinator of all things action industries ben and i have so much going on that james does a very very incredible job of kind of making sure that we kind of hit the deadlines that we need make sure that we're working on these we got a lot of ideas a lot of projects that are coming up and james kind of helps make sure we're still on track us and the entire team yeah 100 percent. so james thank you we Salute you for all the work you do. So James's question says, With movies like Hugo Kundin, The King of Comedy, New York, New York, and Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, is Scorsese the most diverse director working today? Or maybe ever. I'm adding that in myself. And what could he do next to surprise you? So I know what he could do next to surprise me. An incredible rom-com. I'm serious. Like a really like interesting... A, like interesting. a really... Like an actually good... Like like you talk about notebook level romance. Yeah. But like a rom-com. Because there's one thing that Scorsese doesn't get enough credit for. He's fucking funny, dude. His characters are really funny. They're so funny. Yeah. And he picks great writing and he's got great comic timing. I mean, you look at Wolf of Wall Street and you're like, that person should be a com- just a comedy director who yeah. made that movie oh it's martin scorsese i totally agree i totally agree <clears> because <throat> I, the, the more i thought about it afterwards the more i was like and this is on my recent rewatch of of uh wolf of wall street the more i was just like man like to be 71 years old and still have that sharp of a sense of humor and to be that like to be able to make a movie with such depraved but like right now feeling characters yeah that's a, that's a hell of a testament to how much he still really has it. Like he's still got it. He does not feel 100%. Like you watch a Clint Eastwood movie and even the best Clint Eastwood movies in the last 10 years, they're very old fashioned mm-hmm. and you and there are issues with them in some ways where you're just like subject matter maybe point of view political point of view this is like a little harder to just like feel like i'm watching something fun it feels like scorsese's continued to evolve with the times yeah and and you know spielberg again you talk about spielberg i don't really like spielberg movies much these days i i, I see them all they're okay they're yeah. some are better than others it's not like ready player one was bad and and you know like War Horse is fine and, and the post is, is pretty good we're is pretty good none of them feel like they're doing anything right now that's just like i need to see that movie. like you would give up every movie you just said for wolf of wall street i would literally erase every single movie that that steven spielberg made after munich every single one in uh, yes including war of the worlds yeah uh i mean i would give up munich too honestly i think i'd probably give <sighs> up every single it's good dude it i mean munich's so good, good but I, i'm just thinking okay catch me if you can minority report oh two Every single movie that Spielberg has made since 2002, I probably would burn in a fire to keep Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> like, somewhat fair. I don't, I mean, honestly, like, I, Munich's not that good. It's good. It's, yeah, it's good. It's and good. War, War of the good. Worlds has a lot of really redeemable stuff. Like, I like a lot of War of the Worlds, but neither of those movies are even close, right? Like, it's just, there seems to be something with Spielberg's movie making in the last 10 to 15 years where it doesn't feel as fresh as it once did. Yeah, we got uh, uh, a. <laughs> Once again, our good friend Dong Johnson hanging out in the chat. He said, Clint is frozen in time. That's actually a pretty interesting way to put it. It's, it's starting to feel like... Uh, it, not that Spielberg is frozen in time, but the next thing that he actually writes here is that uh, Clint is stuck in his ways. That feels like Spielberg. Clint yeah. feels frozen in time. He yeah. feels like he's ever-evolving. And um, The Irishman obviously felt very, very repurposed to me, but again, Wolf was not that long ago. I think he's probably the most diverse working director today. I mean, how how could there's almost no one out there that has as much acclaim or respect to their name that also is still making movies that are so drastically different yeah i'm really not anybody even close so no. um yeah so i think i think it's a good question james we appreciate you asking it so that's gonna basically wrap up we've only got a couple minutes left here we either play this impressions game or we can talk a little bit about the face-off i feel like we should probably talk about the face-off okay we only have, a, we only have yeah, this show yeah, and do one it. other to really talk about before next week so uh big shout to brandon Hanna, who is the associate producer now on the show he, he preps the outlines for us he had suggested a, a a pretty good game where i guess i guess it is a worthwhile thought what if Cruz had been peshy? <laughs> am i funny to you yeah. funny like, how like like i amuse you funny like a clown funny like a clown funny like a clown <laughs> yeah do i amuse you how am i funny <laughs> you, you sit here with me think i'm funny funny like a clown am i am here to amuse you how how the fuck am i funny henry how am I funny, Henry? Am yeah. mighty cove. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to read for this. I'm here to amuse you. How am I funny? How am I funny, Henry? Let's do some improvisational comedy. I'm uh, funny like a clown. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, Albert. I, I, I need the, I'm funny like a clown. Rest in peace, Albert Finney. Albert Finney, my boy. Uh, but yeah, so Brandon Hanna essentially had Cage versus Cruise for some fun stuff, but... <laughs> Action Face-Off. Commanding the Army and Action Face-Off. It's an amazing debate-style show that Ben and I run (laughs) every other Sunday evening. And we discuss really, really big topics. So the very first episode, what's the greatest Jack Nicholson role? The second one was, was the greatest comedy from the 90s. And next Sunday... Not this coming. Yeah. Not yet. this coming. Not mm-hmm. the. It, it's uh. It's in December. No, it is this Sunday. Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's this a, coming Sunday. Yeah, after yeah Thanksgiving. Skip, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend, when mm-hmm. you guys are all back home, you're ready to hang out. Uh, we're doing our third edition now. The kicker on this is that to do it, there's one thing you get to debate against Drew and myself. Yes, you do. So it's uh, we pick ours. Like if you guys ever watch Movie Fights, it's like being a part of a show like Movie Fights mm-hmm. against Drew or myself. Now. Every single time we do the show, one of us is going to debate, and the other one's going to judge the show. There's a little bit of a trivia aspect, and we encourage anybody and everybody, if you've never been on a camera before, doesn't matter. A lot of people that are doing it never have been. It's available to patrons and patrons only. So patreon.com slash teamaction, even if you're a $1 patron, you can submit your choices, and we can pick you to be a part of this thing. We have a bunch of new people that have upgraded and joined recently who have been submitting. And this Sunday, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, uh, the date we should probably know offhand, we... Yep. I'll look it up. It's the first. It's going to, I know. I'm not a fan. It's the first, <laughs> it's the first of first. December. Yes. Um, we are going to be debating one of two topics. We're putting it out there right now. So the two topics are either going to be greatest Martin Scorsese movie, which is inspired by this episode, mm-hmm. or or it's going to be best movie of the decade the best movie of the 2010s mm. you can submit on either or both all you have to do is send an email to action brand at gmail.com with the subject line action face off you can even put both in the same email if you want pick your top two choices yeah. for either one and we will get an email from us towards the end of the week confirming you're on the show it streams live on YouTube on action industries YouTube so that's the way this thing works all you got to do is be a patron yeah it's it's super fun we, we had a blast doing it we had a ton of people that have never been on camera before they all really really enjoyed themselves so uh yeah send those in right now to action industries brand at gmail.com ben there are three action movie categories <laughs> totally ridiculous totally legitimate ridiculous legitimate this yeah legitimate. this movie is com- no. yeah totally legitimate don't even need to have don't even need to talk about it no but there is one last thing to talk about on the show and that's called the pitch it's not on no. here is it i have a feeling that you might have grabbed the uh the papers a little too soon you think there's maybe a third page i'm a hundred percent positive there's a third page interesting. <laughs> uh, the Pitch... Is a movie next week. I'm the, so excited. It's called Knives Out. It's Knives Out. Knives Out. I, I feel like because we've seen it so long ago now, I, I feel like we have to watch it again for the show. I'm gonna try to watch it again this weekend. I can't I really see am. how I'd be able to remember all of the because that movie had so many little nuances and funny moments. It's so funny. Like it's, even when Ryan walked in today, uh Ryan Nielsen, who who just recently saw it, he made a reference to like donut holes. And I remember this whole like <laughs> monologue that 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 uh Daniel Craig has about donut holes, but it's not the donut, it's a yeah. hole, but it's not the hole of the donut. And it's it, a hole inside a, donut. a hole inside a donut hole and you're like what it's hilarious, but I, I don't really remember it. So yeah, I, I need to watch it again. Yes, uh, I can't wait. Uh, so so guys, get on board with Action Face Off. Get on board with Knives Out next week on Action Movie Anatomy as we careen towards the end of the year. We yeah. have big movies coming up for the rest of the year. We've got a show over on Collider called uh, The Action Guys that's now goes up video now goes back up on the Collider Podcast Network and on the Collider Live channel every weekend. So you can see actually us doing our episode on top comedy of the '90s. Mm-hmm. This last week we ranked the top ten comedies of There's the a '90s. Lot of fun. It was a good episode. It was a good episode. Uh, and, uh, you know, you heard us talk a lot about the Patreon, patreon.com slash team action. We have a bunch of people at the highest levels donating, and we cannot thank them enough, so we're going to give a big, big shout-out to our five-star generals, the inaugural general, Brian Chandler. We've got Jeremiah Morris, Mac Ryan, John Getz, Jake Yacoveta, Lucas, and Alec Shashek, the Shashek household, Kyle Grandinetti, and Paul Denuzio. Those are our five-star generals big time salute major to you. salute major salute and of course the rest of the generals in the army Andrew Hayes Billy Belford John Patterson Kelsey Kirkland Nick Gilmore Cody Seal Kyle Hilbert Rear, Buddha AJ Lancaster Sariet Lemon Maki and of course Danny Joyce another big time salute to you generals thank yeah, you guys thank you guys so, so much, much for your support we really really do appreciate and, uh, it and we'll be back same time same place next week have a good one guys bye